Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Ball and Foot Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, joined by today by my co-host, Jason. How you doing today, sir? Uh, been better. Yep, that's a great way to sum it up. Um, Just right off the top, going to get this off my you know chest. I think it all needs to be said. Screw you, Anthony Taylor. And uh, all right, let's jump into the podcast now. <laughs> i'm glad we can laugh in these troubled times golly all right so i mean we're gonna get into all the controversy of this match today it was a banger of a match um chelsea versus spurs london derby as usual chippy all the way around as you expect from these types of matches manager fights player fights run-ins in the tunnel after the match i mean just we had everything in this one um I mean, I don't even, it, this is what we were talking about it before we started this. Like, where do we even start with this podcast? Like, because it's like, we, we want to talk about the controversies because clearly that's what's going to overshadow this game. Um, But, you know, you sort of said, hey, let's talk about the game and then let's get into the controversies. So let's sort of do that. Let's go that route. Um, We'll talk about the game, sort of talk about the, the lineups, go from there, first half, second half. Um. And we'll try not to divulge too much into the controversies until after the fact. We're not promising anything because fair. we both have very a lot of pent-up anger right now. Um, so let's just give it a shot and let's see where this goes, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I know we had to stop ourselves ranting just to start. Seriously. Yeah, so um, yeah, you want to read out starting lineups for the teams and we'll sort of uh, get the match review going from there. Ah, uh, yes. I'd love to read out the lineups of the teams. I, uh, back in a time when, um, the hopes were high and, and the potential of, of this game was, uh, you know, uh, measured and realistic and, um, and all that good jazz. So I'll read the lineups. Uh, I'll start with us. So, uh, starting lineup, Mindy, uh, James, Silva, Kulabali. Those uh, three at the back. So James coming in for Dave uh, from last week. Uh, lost his cheek on the wing uh, coming in um, since the, uh, James goes to the back. So he comes in at right wing back. Conte uh, and Jorginho in the pivot in the middle. Uh, Kukurea on the left uh, coming in for uh, Chile last week. Uh, Mount Havert Sterling up top uh, as we uh, have expected. And then subs, we had Keppa, Aspie, Chilwell, Chalaba, Gallagher, Cho, Pulisic, Ziyech, and Broja uh, all on the bench. So um, uh, what did you think of the lineup when you first saw it this morning? Um, I was a little surprised, you know, because we talked about in the preview podcast that, you know, he had used four at the back a lot versus Antonio Conte whenever he was at the Spurs. I was a little surprised, not shocked, because um, you could tell whenever we actually started playing that it was more fluid, that it was sort of a, like when we were, Attacking and had the ball, it was more of a, a four four two or a four triple two, you know, something along those lines. It was it was a very fluid formation. So once we started playing, you know, you sort of get the realization that I was definitely happy to see reshames at right center back and not Dave back there. I thought that was a big tactical advantage um, that we'll get into in a little while. Kukarela back there at left wing back, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a good move because we, I think everybody's just sort of in agreement right now at Chelsea that Chile's just not there yet, and that's not a you know shot at him. He's coming off a major injury, so no, 
you know, no ill will towards Shelby. I think he's still a great player and I rate him, but Cucurella definitely has shown that he can come in and, you know, fill in that role just fine for, you know, for Chile whenever he's out, which we didn't have last year. So it's actually nice to have a, a really good left wing back backup that can start for you and put in the kind of performance that he put in today. what do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. I was um, definitely excited to see Cucurella there. Um, yeah. And I, um, uh, Reese James, I, you know, I, I didn't know how that was going to play out, but uh, I mean, you could, you see his name on the roster and Dave out and you, you, you automatically think speed. And um, I think you said it in our text messages while we were playing. It's just, he had can, um, son in his pocket um, pretty much uh, the whole match. So uh, that, that was good to see. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I mean, Tuchel, uh, I think, there, there were questions, you know, after last week, and, and we'd spent some of the buildup into the season on, on the podcast talking about whether or not it's wise to trust him, and I think we both kind of fell on the line of we do. Um, he's just – he's who we have now, and and um, and that in of itself is a reason to trust him. But, you know, you can still question. Um, I – I'm not the smartest guy ever. So I'd, I like, I question on what I can see. I don't see what Tuchel sees, but, uh, but you can't deny that he is a tactician and he knows what he's doing and he knows how to set up the team to get the results that he wants. Now that's a different story about how the team actually performs on the pitch, but Tuchel I think has proven over the last 18 months that he can set up a team. So uh, I think uh, today proved that as well. Oh, for sure. I think today was a tactical masterclass by Tuchel. Like he, put Conte in fits like that was like the fact that, you know, essentially Reese just man marked son the entire first half. Like son had nothing like he couldn't do anything in the game. You took out, you take out their second best player on the pitch, you know, and that's it. Like you, you've taken him out of the match and it's, it's a lot like what, you know, teams used to do us when we had hazard. I can remember specifically, you know, United, especially when we played them, they would just man mark hazard the entire match. And it, it frustrated us a lot whenever, you know, we had them. So to see that actually us do that to another team is, is good. And I enjoyed that. Um, and the fact that he, like the midfield was just ours. Like, you know, you texted to me several times during the match, like we own the midfield. Like there was like Mount was, had space galore in the midfield. Um, Jorginho, Played well until, yeah, we'll talk about that. Anyway, um, Jorginho had a, a good first half. Um, uh, loafed his cheek. Um, I, maybe we have found a position for him now. Maybe that right wing back, he looked very good out there today. Um, I still have some issues with him, but I thought he put in a good shift today. I thought it was a, a really good game from him. Um, front three outside of, uh, you know, Still, I have questions, you know, with the front three. But I thought, you know, overall, this was, and I tweeted this out at halftime, this was the best half of Chelsea football that I've seen in a long time. Like, from our passing, going forward, finding the the runners going in, um, just our build-up play, everything that we were doing was just working. We were clicking. We were, our press was just insane. Like, they couldn't get out of their own half. Like the only way they could get out of their own half was trying long balls over the top. And I felt confident that we could defend those. So, I mean, Tuchel set that team up to a T today. So all you Tuchel haters out there that have been hating on this man 
for the last month or two, whatever, y'all need to eat your crow today because the dude just proved that he knows what he is doing and we need to back him. And so does the board and get in the guys that he needs. Yeah, I agree with literally everything you said. Every single person was on fire in that first half. Um, the only negative takeaway is that we we just didn't we according to stats we had eight shots in the first half. Uh, only two were on goal. I I don't know if that like comes from some of the corners and they count like you know some of those headers that go towards there. I don't know. Maybe I don't remember seeing eight shots. I think we both said that. Uh, but so, so that's, sure. the, that's the negative is, um, cause, cause yeah, like you said, we freaking owned that midfield today. I, I, we were talking about it, like literally all of our players were midfield players today because that's basically where we were winning the match. Uh, they, they did not pressure Jorginho and that dude was able to do everything that he is capable of doing that everybody tells me he does every game. He actually did it this game. Like he was actually able, he was allowed the freedom to perform at his level. When he gets pressured, he cannot do mm -hmm. it. And uh, and Correct. as we will see later, that 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 comes very true, um, in in a very negative sense. But but like for that first half uh, of this game, we owned that midfield. We didn't have to play defense. All of our defenders were up. We didn't have to. Um, well. We had to, but we didn't play any forwards, really creating <laughs> that many chances. Um, so the midfield was ours, and and yeah, Tottenham, like you said, they had no idea what to do with us. We ran rampant the entire game. I cannot believe we were not in the seventies or eighties for possession. Um, but but mm -hmm. I think that comes with Tottenham was trying to slow the game down as often as they could because they could not keep up. Yeah, they tried to definitely slow it down, especially in the uh, second half. You know, they tried to slow it down a lot more because, you know, they couldn't they couldn't do anything. Like they just they couldn't find, you know, any space to do anything. Because, I mean, our press, that's the best I've seen our press look yeah. since Tuchel, I think, has been here. Like that was just some. I don't know. That was if if that Chelsea team comes out and plays like this every week. I will have no doubt about us finishing top four. Like it's not going to be a question to me throughout this season. So now I think the question moving forward is, is can we keep that same intensity up? Can we keep that same um, level of play up for, you know, the rest of the matches throughout the season? I know we're going to have dips because it's just your players are going to be tired, but we have to be able to keep that same intensity up. And it, it is harder to play that way against some teams because they do just sit in so deep on us. Um, and I think that's our biggest issue. But when we have that freedom to press like we do against a team that does want to get forward, you know, and does want to score goals, we play a lot better. And I think that's why we were so good against, you know, the top four, you know, five, six teams in the league. Like when we play the Liverpools and the cities, we match up really well against them because they play a similar style to us. They want to get up the pitch. And so, we look better in those games, and that's what Tottenham was trying to do today. I don't care what Tim Howard says about them wanting to sit back and all this crap, but they wanted to get forward and score goals. So that's their mentality, and they couldn't do that. They couldn't. They had no build-up play today. Yeah, they had a couple long balls over the top that uh, kind of caught us out a little bit, and um, I think that's just some mechanics that will work out as, like, we're getting Kukure up to speed. I think he played um, 
I don't know, was it Son that got that got behind us off, yeah. off a long ball? Mm-hmm. And I, I think he played. No, 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 it wasn't Son. It was uh I don't know, it's one of their wing backs. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. made the run in behind. Because Reese was pushed up on Son and Cucarella played him on side. It was off a free kick, a quick free yeah. kick. By yeah. Spurs. And so I, I think there there were times when they did look like they could be dangerous on a counter. Um, but then they we we at, at every stage we had we had a man. We had uh, somebody perfectly placed to receive a ball. We had players going into space. I've never seen Jorginho get into space like he did. Like, like watch last game and watch this game and watch how Jorginho runs into space this game versus last game literally staying behind an opposition player and not moving. Like, Jorginho actually ran this game instead of just one speeding it the whole game. It, w- it was amazing to see. Like, he... Like I, what what's crazy is how much I do not rate Jorginho as much as everyone else does. Of course, he is a great midfielder. Is he the best of all time? Like Chelsea fans think he is. I I do not think so. If if that's the Jorginho that comes out every game, then yes, he is. That that dude was amazing in the midfield today. Coupled with Conte also being amazing in the midfield today, we we just were not pressured at all, and we did not make the normal fundamental basic football mistakes that we normally do. And we like we had back heels. We had little flicks of the ball. We were playing one twos. You said I don't remember the last time we played a one two this well. Like yeah, like we had all of these elements that we were able to bring out in our game. But it's because Tottenham literally parked the bus and did not pressure us at all. And they gave us the midfield just to run rampant in. It was it was amazing to watch us be that dominant, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to watch us just kind of flourish in that way. It, it was one of the best half of footballs. I agree that, that I've seen as well. So, yeah. And I think that it goes back to Tuchel and the way he set us up, because that was when you're switching from the back three to the, you know, four and attack and you're switching to a four, two, two and attack. It does, it loads up that midfield. And we had that space in that midfield. Cause if, you know, just watching that game Mount was just dropping so far into the midfield, you know, almost playing as a cam and, Sterling and Havertz were playing off to his left and the right. And the amount of space he had was just insane. So it was, it was a great tactical setup. And then, you know, the goal from uh, Koulibaly in the first half was just a, I mean, world-class goal from a world-class player. Um, I don't even know what to say about that goal. I mean, that just seeing a defender do that, it just it brings a huge smile to my face every time it happens. I love when defenders score, especially when it's a crazy goal like that. Especially when it's off a of volley, off a of cross. I mean, off of a corner mm-hmm. that is perfectly placed. Uh, yeah. would have would have killed Sterling, like you said in our text message. Yeah, I said Sterling, Sterling was an unsung hero for getting out of the way, and you said, "Yeah, he would have lost his head if he didn't." <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like Sterling was in the lot of fire from that laser beam. Like that thing was a rocket. What so, a goal! That that was amazing to see. Uh, to get your debut goal in that fashion, uh, your debut uh, home debut home goal. Yeah, home debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. home like, debut. What, yeah. what a goal! That was beautiful. Um, I I like had so much belief after that first half after that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh we did we did nothing wrong in that first half. I 
Uh, there are no notes because we did nothing wrong in that first half. Like the, there's only, there's a couple errant passes and there's a couple of giveaways in the midfield. It's to be expected that midfield was crowded today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it was crowded without Tottenham. Tottenham literally just let us run through there. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Jorginho's forward passing. Everybody's forward passing. Kulabali's trying to get the ball at the field. Jorginho's trying to get the ball at the field. Conte's trying to get the ball at the field. Our runners are making um, great runs. Um, we're we're playing the wings perfectly. It, it was a great half of football. It was just mm-hmm. so fun to watch. It was, and like if Chelsea comes out and plays like that, like I that like that's the thing is like if we play like that and we lose a game or we draw a game. I, I won't be as upset because I'll say, okay, we lost to a better team. Not the case with this game. Like this game right. took a totally different turn in the second half. And, but if that same intensity and that keeps up and this Chelsea team shows up, th- I think, you know, the possibilities are endless for this because I think we, we, if that, if we play that way, every match, we have a shot at pushing Liverpool and city. I believe like that's how, the, the night and day from last week to this week is just insane. Like it, it, It's wild. I don't know what team that was last week compared to this team. We look completely different. And it was amazing. Like that, that was, like you said, the most fun I've had watching Chelsea in a long time in a, in, you know, in a half of football. So we go into the half up one nil. We're riding on cloud nine. Where everything is going great, you know, okay, we're controlling the game. Tottenham can't do anything against us. And we, you know, you got to figure, okay, Conte is going to come out with something in the second half, like some kind of tactical changes, something on, you know, they're going to do something. So first 10 minutes of the half, they don't do anything, you know, and then at the 55th minute, they bring on Richardson and they switch to a back four. So... There was about a 10-minute stretch in this second half where we did not control the game. Like Tottenham, it, it took us a little while to figure out the back four. And, you know, it's sort of it, which is to be expected. You know, you gotta whatever, but it is what it is. So but it took us a while to figure that out. But once we did, we were back in control of the game. And there was then at that point in time, once we figured that out, I was like, okay, well. We're we're got control of the game again. I'm not really worried about anything now at this point. I think we can lock this down, maybe get another goal and put this match away. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, like they they go to four at the back. We start looking a little shaky. They they also started pressing a little bit more when they came mm-hmm. out. And um that that led to some of the the passing mistakes, some of the uh like just basic trapping the ball mistakes that we tend to do. We were giving the ball away a little bit more than we were in the first half. And it's like you said, we, we have to adjust to that. And, and I, I think that eventually we did like, we still had chances in those 10 minutes after they switched to a back four, like mm-hmm. in, in like the 60th, 59th, 60th minute or something. Um, are, and this is, this is the negative on Ruben Loftus-Cheek who I think played amazingly mm-hmm. a right wing back today. He doesn't know what to do with the ball in the final third. He takes, too many touches and he doesn't get the ball Mm -hmm. out of his feet fast enough to keep Mm -hmm. play going or to find the the right pass um in in a timely manner that would uh set us up for a goal yeah so he i mean he uh in the notes it says he danced around the box 
and then passed it off to Sterling, and then Sterling wound up missing that. Um, and then, but right after that, that leads to a corner that um, where Kane gets like probably their best chance of the game um, mm-hmm. outside of their goals that they score. Um, and uh, he just scuffs it wide a little bit. But yeah, that was uh sorry. Go ahead. That was uh, oh, oh, sorry about that. That was a good break right there by Kane. Like when yeah. they broke out from that goal, like and it was just a that that's what Tottenham can do when they hit that counter. Like they, just, it was just two passes, boom, right through ball, right to Kane. Son made a good run, sort of in behind um, mm-hmm. to sort of draw you know the defense out, and then Kane just stayed on sides. And I think that was Reese that time. Because of Sun's run, he was sort of tracking back a little deeper probably than what he normally would have, and it played Kane on side. So, But, I mean, and it's like you said, he just – in that uncharacteristic of Harry Kane, he just yeah. hit it off his heel, it looked like, more so than his actual foot. So, you know, unlucky for them, but, you know, good for us. Mindy might have had it covered because he, you know, he's a big guy. So, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the game was kind of end to end at that point. Like we are, we're 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 still in it, but uh, Tottenham are having more chances. They're having more success with building off a foundation to build those corner or to build those counters. And we, um, but but like the game opened up a lot more once that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and then uh, it all starts uh, kind of going downhill <laughs> uh, from there. Um, so yeah, I guess. Uh, do you want? Do you want to talk about? I mean, we kind of reached uh, controversy. Uh, the controversy. The first portion, controversy. The first one. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. You're you you're talking very eloquently today. Maybe I'll let you take this one. I don't know. Um, I mean, at the 67th minute, it was just you know Havertz goes through. He's there. I was it Hoiberg? Was that who fouled him? Or, well, I guess it wasn't technically a foul. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it was him. I think it was Hoiberg. And just, I mean, goes for the ball, doesn't get the ball at all, not even close to the ball, gets Hazard's foot, trips him. And even, like, if you look at the replay, and even the announcers, you know, made this comment that you could tell the defender knew that he fouled Havertz because he literally stopped and just stood up and just waited for the ref to blow the whistle. And he never did. And so he just gets the ball and carries on with the play. And I'm like, and Havertz gets up and is screaming at the, you know, the AR over there. Anthony Taylor was looking right at the play when it happened. Um, And the announcers are making excuses. Well, he didn't have a good angle on it. Well, that's what you have an AR for over there. And this is the same AR who Anthony Taylor had to overrule earlier in the game that didn't give us a correct corner that was right in front of him that went clearly off Tottenham's foot. And, same AR that didn't make that call. So this is the same AR again that's not making this call when it's right in front of him. Like, you're the one that has the good angle. You're the one that can see he did not get the ball, that he tripped him with his foot. So, okay, where, you know, whatever, you missed the call. Well, then it leads to the other end. And I can understand where people are coming from with this, with this one and not going back and giving that foul on Havertz and, you know, because we technically did gain possession, and it's my understanding if there's like a, you know, in the build-up play, if there's a change of possession, then that sort of nullifies VAR going back and looking at that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember last year, there was a, a play where we scored a goal, and they went back like a good minute in the build-up and called some random foul on Dave for winning the ball from the other team and negated our goal. 
So yeah. I know it's possible to go back and do this. It's happened to us before. But, you know, my understanding is that, okay, well, the possession changed, you know, from the goal. And then Jorginho, for all his brilliance that he's had today, and he has been a great player today, instead of just doing a basic soccer rule that you learn when you're in freaking U10s and U11s and just clear the ball out your own end, tries to dribble through the freaking Spurs defense, and I don't even know what he was trying to do to get the ball around Sun. I haven't figured that one out yet. And hits it off of Sun. He makes the pass. They score the freaking goal. I don't know. I, I, I was, for as good as he played, just that lapse in mental judgment. If you're supposed to be as great as like all these Chelsea fans claim you are, you don't have that mental lapse in judgment right there. You clear the freaking ball out your box. Just get it out of there. We're under pressure. Get it out. High and wide. High and wide. That's it. That's what you should be thinking in that moment. Kick it out. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. I, you know, and the, the controversy still, like I totally understand why VAR would not go back and look at that. I, I get it. The controversy still is these refs are not calling anything. And Anthony Taylor, to this point, had missed several calls before this. Um, they they weren't terrible. There was nothing controversial before the 68th minute of the match when this goal comes. Like, there's nothing controversial about this game. It's just Anthony Taylor letting players get away with things more on the side of Tottenham than us, per usual. We have stats to back that up. Um, which we might get into a little bit later. But Anthony Taylor, per usual, is favoring the other team. How do you not, as a team and players, grow confident in the fact that Anthony Taylor is not going to call stuff on you, especially after a blatant foul, where a player stops that's right in front of the AR, that that when Havertz gets up from that foul, he is so incensed, he's not even appealing to Taylor at that point. He's appealing mm-hmm. to the AR. Right. Because the AR is right there looking at the play Taylor has a good view of it as well and doesn't call anything like he Anthony Taylor to this point is creating an environment that becomes out of control and becomes dangerous and we're about Mm -hmm. to we're about to see it all boil over here because after that so Tottenham score here AR is not going to go look at it if that AR makes the call the ball never gets there who knows it, it could get there in a different passage of play it doesn't get there in like the very next passage of play that is still highly connected to this passage of play, even though we got possession, it changed passage of play, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen in this situation. Conte then goes over into our technical area and fist pumps and does like the double, like by the hip fist pump celebration towards our bench for that goal. And then the matches at that point to me, the match is out of control. Oh yeah, he um, lost control at that point in time. Yeah, it's it whatever sense of control that he should have established earlier in the match because there were several times where Tottenham players, like there were several times that they committed tactical fouls just like Reese did in the first half of right. the yellow card, which I had no issue with him issuing Reese a yellow card in the first. He half. even that knew was, it. He gave a yeah. thumbs up for that one. Yeah, that was a clear yellow card offense. Nobody's complaining about that. But when Tottenham was doing the same thing, yep. when they clearly took Loftus Cheek out for a tactical foul, and that's not a yellow card, when they have, you know, Hoiberg, repeat offender over and over again, you know, 
and there's nothing ever given, that's what leads to this game getting out of control. Like you were yeah. saying, like there's like you've, and you know, it's experienced as Anthony Taylor is, this is a London Derby against two teams that hate each other's guts, that has a past history of games getting out of hand. Like, this isn't like something new. Like, this is a constant thing between Chelsea and Tottenham. Like, there's going to be some kind of coming together, and it's probably going to boil over. So you as an official have to know that going into this game, and you have to take control of it. And that just failed to happen. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And we even talked about this on the preview episode. How I don't, I still don't know. I didn't look it up, but I probably should have since we have a podcast and uh, that's what we should be doing now. But I didn't look up like how referees are chosen for these matches. You would, you would think, and, and the FA is up there, but about refs anyway in, in this league. And we, we've already talked about being worried about refs on this podcast before. It, it is just a worry because of the level, how, how the level of officiating has diminished over time. Like the, these refs are not, uh, they're not bringing a lot of honor and a lot of, <laughs> And, and a lot of good good vibes towards them because of how they they perform their jobs. And I understand I would never want to be a ref. That has got to be one of the most difficult jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just sit here and slag someone off who has a terrible job. But Anthony Taylor does have a history. Uh, maybe maybe we'll just well we were talking about some stats before this, and just I'll just go for it. Yeah, let me let me try to find these. Okay, so we as a club. We have at least th- this is a little bit older, so um, these stats are just like maybe a year old. Um, but we have um, Taylor has officiated thirty-eight games for Chelsea at, at the time of this stat, which maybe is like a year or half a year ago. Thirty-eight games—that's a full year of Premier League games that that Taylor has officiated for Chelsea. We've only won eighteen of those. Uh, Percentage-wise, that's forty-seven percent. Uh, at the same point, he had refed 25 uh, matches for Manchester United. Manchester United have a 100% success rate under Taylor. Um, we, uh, when it comes to matches under us, we're the second on the list with 12 losses altogether. So we've won 18, lost 12. And the, uh, the, the pundits during the game or the commentators during the game were saying things like, oh, well, out of the last 10 matches, Anthony Taylor's refed four for Chelsea and six for Tottenham, and they've won all of them. Yeah, but what? <laughs> it's like you said, he's giving us cards out of nowhere in like FA Cup matches and Cup matches, other Cup matches. And it's like, yes, in the Premier League, sure. In other competitions, he's trying to sabotage us there as well. And mm-hmm. who... I don't want to sit here because I don't know. I don't want to sit here and say he's purposely doing it. There's clearly a run of bad games leading up to this one for Taylor. The stats are against him. And and um, it's undeniable at that point. I also want to say from a penalties point of view, we've been given five in the matches played under him, whereas like a team like Liverpool have been given 11. And, so, and then another uh, reason is we've had 87 bookings under him at the time of this, that's the most out of all the Premier League teams. Uh, he has given Liverpool second at 70, and then it's Man City at 46. That's like, insane. That is an I, insane stat. 
yeah, these stats are undeniable. Like, so if he's giving us the most bookings, that means he's automatically not giving the other team bookings, which is what we're talking about here. He's not giving the yellows. He's not giving yellows for technical fouls. He's not giving yellows for um, uh, blatant kicks on our players. Mount got fouled a couple times that I thought could have been a yellow. Even if he doesn't give a yellow, like he's missing basic fouls of Havertz losing the ball that leads to a goal. And that is that is a ref directly affecting the game by not doing his job. And I understand that's part of the game. I, I understand refs are considered part of the field when they're out there. <laughs> but like that's a spot in the field that is taking potential away from us, that is not giving us what we deserve in the game, that is actively taking away or ignoring things that happen to take it away. And then basically gifting, which to be fair in this instance, Jorginho freaking boneheaded. And mm -hmm. we have to do better protecting the ball or protecting ourselves by getting the ball out of there. Totally agree with that. You make that call though, it resets the lines. Mm -hmm. There's no forward momentum of Tottenham building up from a no call foul that then gives them confidence to go do whatever in the hell they want to do. And that to me is the greatest tragedy of the Premier League right now because it doesn't just happen to us. It, it's, it happens to us more under Taylor, which is why we were nervous about it in, in the pregame or the preview episode that we did. And it's proven by stats at this point. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. you said, we should be requesting. I think you, uh, I, I can't remember that we talked about this during pre-show because we <laughs> were, I, I ranted a lot, so I don't know how well I listened. But uh, you were saying that we have an option to tell refs not to, or we have an option to appeal to the FA to not let certain refs uh, officiate for us. Right. Yeah, Liverpool has done it. Like they have, I don't remember who the ref is, but they have a ref in the FA that is not allowed to ref their matches anymore because they appeal to it. So my thing is, is Todd Bowley, if you want to be a god for this club, you <laughs> want to prove your worth to this club, all you have to do is go get the FA to agree to not let Anthony Taylor ref any more of our matches. Like that's all you got to do. We said it. It was the first note in the match preview. Our last episode, I said, I went back and watched the Tottenham match. I'm not as worried about Tottenham now. I think we can beat Tottenham, even though I predicted a draw. Because I didn't know that this Chelsea team was going to come out and play. I was expecting the Everton Chelsea team to come out and play. Right. But I knew we could hang with Tottenham. and They weren't as good as what people were saying they were. And I said, the only thing that makes me nervous about this match is the fact that Anthony Taylor is the referee in officiating this match. And lo and behold, that's the outcome that this match took. It wasn't that Tottenham was a better team than us. It wasn't that they outplayed us. It wasn't that, you know, we got lucky on our goals. No, it was strictly the fact that the ref handed Tottenham two goals. That's what it comes down to. So let's just, ju let's jump ahead. So, Jorginho comes off as soon as he gives up the freaking goal to the other team. He comes off the pitch. We didn't know to backtrack a little bit. We didn't even address the fact that Richarlison was off sides when they scored their goal. And the pictures that they showed in the match were all side views. And you really couldn't tell if he affected Mindy's view. But now since the match is over, pictures have started coming out that Mindy is literally having to look around Richarlison 
to see, you know, uh, who was it? Was it Hoiberg? That, yeah, Hoiberg that scored. Yeah. yeah, for them trying to look at Hoiberg and find the ball, which is clear obstruction because he's right. off sides. So we're not even talking about that. So another great job by VAR in that situation and calling that out. But to fast forward. Oh, uh, sorry, just to interrupt you. Uh, remember, we also were concerned that Mike Dean was on VAR. That's true, because he is the VAR czar now, you know. So yeah. he was great. So we'll get to him later in the match, too. Um, so fast forward, Havertz uh, makes a great run in the box, and Reese James, as he always does. Um, uh, so Dave came on, backtrack. Dave came on, Reese moved to right wing back again. Um, and so when he came on, Dave, uh, James you know, puts one of his patent crosses in. And as per usual, our strikers can't finish. Havertz, all he has to do is really just toe the ball in um, yeah. something and it hits off the side of his foot and goes awry. And it was just, you know, we're, we're sort of demoralized at that point in time. Three minutes later, we our press, doing what our press does, forces a turnover and Tottenham was so overloaded on one side of the pitch. All we just simply did was just reverse the ball and Sterling just laid it off for Reese and Reese does what he does and just puts it in the back of the net. Um, great thing. The best part of that goal, you know, was I think the whole celebration afterwards, Reese just grabbing the badge on a shirt, running toward the fans. Um, tell that guy bleeds Chelsea through and through. Yeah. Love that man so Love much. Him. And then Tuchel just running straight through the Tottenham te- technical area, fist pumping all the way down the sidelines. It's just amazing um, scenes from that. So, I don't know. That was – it was a great goal, great little, you know, build-up, uh, you know, great defense that led to that goal. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I echo everything you said. Amazing goal. Reese never looked like he was going to miss it. The build-up was great. Conte wins the ball. We criticized his passing last game. Just – passes it right into the path of Sterling who runs to the top of the box. Like you said, slots it in for James. James was never going to miss that. It was never a worry. Great goal. It continues to boil over because Tuchel runs through that technical area. Mm -hmm. For sure. (laughs) Now, to be fair, uh, Conte kind of ignored it. Uh, Unlike Tuchel chest bumping him when Conte comes and celebrates in his technical area, but Mm -hmm. tensions are high at this point. For sure, for sure. I think that's sort of where we're building up to. And then, you know, not a lot happened. Uh, Conte, I think the biggest thing, Conte gets hurt, um, clearly stretching for a ball. Looked like he pulled his hamstring. First, I thought he got fouled, and then like clearly in the replay, yeah. nobody touched him. He literally just pulled his hamstring. Um, not good. Um, Gallagher comes in for him, and um, immediately, like, the dude's just everywhere on the pitch. I know he came on, he made a great tackle. Um he was in the right position. He, he played great. Like, and we, if, if he replaces Conte, I'm interested to see what he does. Um, Same. it'll be, it'll, I'm excited about some, maybe getting a little more gallery because we know Conte is going to be out for a little while. Like there's just no way, like it's, it's inevitable. So, um, so, uh, I don't know. Let's see. Um, uh, yeah, some of these notes are intelligible. That's because I oh, know it's fine. Um, I'm just trying to think. I guess we can just so we'll just jump to the corner at the end of the game. So we give up a corner to Tottenham. They take the corner, and you know Mindy makes an excellent save on the corner. 
you know, great save yeah. by Mindy, push the ball over, and then all of a sudden you notice the ref stopping the play, holding his hand up. Like I was like, are they checking for a handball? Like I didn't, you know, I didn't really see any hands go up in the air. I was sort of confused. And then they showed the replay of freaking Romero grabbing a handful of Cucurella's hair and just yanking him down to the ground. And I'm like, oh, well, that's clearly a foul, clearly a red card. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is going to be overturned, and they're going to, you know, we're going to get a free kick right here. I'm not as nervous anymore. Because I text you when, because right before leading up that corner kick, Reese James fouled Kane on the edge of the box and said, I'm nervous right now. And then they got the corner, and I was like, I'm still nervous. Got a bad feeling. And lo and behold, I know my bad feeling was freaking Anthony Taylor. So, Romero pulls Cucurella down by the hair. You look at the play. Anthony Taylor is staring right at them, like directly at them. And so, that should be automatically a foul. And then, oh, no, we're just going to go to VAR. Okay, well, surely VAR will correct this. But it wasn't deemed, what does it have to be deemed? Um, Ungentlemanly, unsportsmanlike yeah, Legitimately unsportsmanlike. I'm sorry. I didn't know pulling people down by their hair was not legitimately unsportsmanlike. Like, since I when think is, it might be ungentlemanly. Yeah, ungentlemanly. Yeah. Why is that a thing? What, when, when are you allowed in the rules of football to pull somebody down by their freaking hair? Like, I don't know what more ungentlemanly like you can get. Than dragging somebody down by their hair. Yeah, I um, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say it's not allowed. <sighs> you would think. Um, it it's a blatant foul at at minimum. It is a foul. Uh, they we should have had a, a goal kick at that point, at at minimum, or or a free kick or whatever happens. Yeah. But the ball's ours at that point. There's no other. There's no corner coming after that. It's a blatant foul regardless of we people are going to make arguments about a red card about it being unsportsmanlike whatever i don't care it's a foul you can't argue that it's not a foul in the box that required the ref to stop the game so that var could look at it it's it it's a foul at the very least that then gets the ball back in our possession yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is like, and my big issue with it is that Anthony Taylor is right there in position to make that call. He is looking yeah. directly at the Cucurella and other assistants. Then you have, you know, I, it's just, it's it's mind-blowing to me how you miss that. And like, as much as they like to call fouls on people pushing off and, you know, doing whatever in the box for stuff that I don't think is necessarily a foul, but yeah. somebody gets drugged down by their hair, and you don't call that a foul? I mean, what is this state of officiating right now when that cannot be called a foul when the official is looking right at it? Like, I, it is mind-blowing to me. And, of course, as soon as that happens, it's like, well, we know what's coming next off this corner. And sure enough, flipping Harry Kane, header off, you know, the corner. And- yeah, and to be fair, to be fair, their goals – even though they shouldn't stand, even though they should have been, they, they should have never got to the point where they were goals. These are their legitimately like only two chances outside of the Harry Kane miss mm-hmm. where he's almost one-on-one with Mindy. I, yeah. I think uh, we had a defender beside him, but he, he breaks through our lines either, either way. These are their only two legitimately like good chances of the game. And they did take them when they had them. Mm-hmm. They should not stand because of the because they had to foul to get there, mm-hmm. 
and and that's the that that's the problem for me is like I don't want to I don't want to like anyway I'm not defending Tottenham here of course um, but I I think it all of this rests on Anthony Taylor. Yeah, hundred percent. It rests on him. It rests on Dean. You know, with the VAR review, I don't. I just don't like a game of this importance should not come down to officiating. Like it just shouldn't. Right. Like it should be about the players and their play on the pitch, which clearly for what outside of a ten minute spell in that game, Chelsea just completely dominated the game. Like it. Like all these pundits that I've listened to after this game, they're like Tottenham showed who they were today, that they can go toe to toe with the top teams. No, they didn't. They showed that right. they are still Tottenham, that they still suck, that they can't go toe to toe with the teams. And it took two bad calls by the officials to let them even stay in this game. And then to go off and celebrate in front of your fans like they did <laughs> after this game, like you freaking just won a cup, which you haven't done in years. So you don't need to shut up about that. So, to go off and do that crap after the game, what? Who are you're not a big club? Just give it a rest. When you win and you get a draw like that, you can go over to your fans, clap them up. I don't care about that. But the way you're celebrating, like you just won a cup, like you you consider drawing against Chelsea that big of a win. Like that shows you how far down their club is and how far they still have to go when they think drawing against us is that you know, momentous of occasion for their club. Right. Like you're still small. You're not where we are. You want to be where we are. You want to have Champions League trophies. Oh, wait, you don't have any. We have two <laughs> in our cabinet. So you just need to know your place, Tottenham, and know that you were just lucky today to get out of to get out of the bridge with two points and that the, it was handed to you by the officials because you got outplayed for 90% of that game. And John know it, and your coach knows it. And every one of these pundits who is just, you know, giving Tottenham, you know, all the praise in the world. What game were you watching today? What absolute game were you watching that you think Tottenham deserved a point out of that match? Dude, everything you said is just spot on. I think it does what, – what you're saying does speak a lot to Tottenham's mentality uh, about this. Um, it, it would be different if they fought back for a two – uh, if they fought back to get two goals and to get the draw, they, they, yeah. And some of those pundits were just like Tottenham kept fighting the whole time. We owned that match. We owned it. Like, like from the, from the start of the kickoff, even during the play where we were adjusting to their back four, we owned them. We were still creating better chances than they were at that point. They, they, the the best thing you can say about some of that point is they got out of their own half finally. So to to say that Tottenham were proving anything, it proves that they needed a ref, like you said, to bail them out twice. They should be embarrassed. They they absolutely should not hold their heads up high at all. They got outplayed all game and we talk about this all the time and what's what's really hurtful is about today's game is, and and is so encouraging at the same time is everything we've said about how well we played today and we are the only team on that field that deserves to have any sort of pride in how we played and um 
And uh, you were reading off some of the Tuchel quotes, and and even after his uh, his uh, press uh, or his his little uh, interview right after the game, his post match interview, he he was saying he is the happiest manager in the world. He is so proud of this team. We played brilliantly today. He is sad because he can't give our team or he can't give our boys what they deserve. And I echo that so much, and at the same time agree with you so much just about how badly Tottenham played and then how well we played um, and then how proud Tuchel was at the end of the game. And you could see it because after after they score that, things get crazy. Mm-hmm. We um, The game ends. Tuchel and Conte go to shake hands. And I guess what it looked like to me is Conte didn't like how firm the handshake was. Oh, no, and he, he stated that no, his, his reasoning was is because uh, Conte did not look him in the eyes is the reason yeah, that that's he what, got mad. Yeah, yeah, that's what Tuchel said. Yeah, but I didn't see Tuchel say anything about it until Conte like whipped around and got back in Tuchel's face after they or, while they were shaking hands. A very firm handshake, mm-hmm. but while they're shaking hands, and Tuchel does do like the eye thing, like almost like I'm watching you, which is what it looked like to me at the time. But yeah, in his you're right. In his post match interview, he said he didn't look him in the eye, and he thought men looked each other in the eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a little shot at Conte. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, like this, the stuff that like that, and that's another thing that comes out of this. Okay, Tuchel was a puts on a tactical masterclass today, and then the way that he sticks up for his players, the things that he says in his yeah. post game press conference, like, do we really, you know, think Anthony Taylor should be refing Chelsea games anymore? Uh, the pundits or not the pundits but what how did he word it he said anyway he says the fans and the players know what's going on with anthony taylor like right he's like i'm i'm all for this like the dude is taking you know shots and he's probably going to get fined for it but i have a whole hell of a lot more respect for him like for doing something like that like if he came out and was like oh yeah it's just bad luck and stuff like that yeah you're going to lose a lot of respect with me but the fact that he puts on a tactical masterclass should have came away with three points today. And he takes on the refs after the game. Yes. hundred percent. Like I'm backing my manager, like give this man what he needs. Like, because if you can't back Tuchel after today and everything that he's done, you might want to consider uh, rooting for another team because this man has proven he is loyal to Chelsea and we need to be loyal to him. Um, not to say that we don't have the right to question him or, or anything like that, but you better back him as a manager and say, this is the guy that I want to lead us, you know, going forward. My Tuchel, my respect and my, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here, Admiration. but it's gone up. Yeah. Has gone up for Tuchel today. Like it is taking a giant step forward. Um, so I don't, and as a player, wouldn't you want to play for that guy? Yes, hundred uh, percent. Shaka said that after the game, I believe. Um, on he said he's like he made them stop and like just for a second. I want to say I would love to play for Thomas Ducal, right? Like, for because of his passion and it's like you said for the way he sticks up for his players. Like that's big to me. Stick up for your players, and he did that today. He stuck up for his players, and he said, "Look, we all know what's going on here, whether y'all want to talk about it or not." So. It's the yeah. elephant in the room now. What are we going to do about it? 
Yeah, and it's like you said, he's probably going to get fined for that. But I, I agree with everything you said. I would rather him talk about that and get fined. No doubt Bowley pays it out of his oh, own pocket. 100%. 100%. Yeah, and so it's, and you know, of course now, you know, the news coming out, Tuchel will be probably not on the touchline next week versus Leeds. Okay, and it, his quote about that is fantastic when they told him that. He goes, oh, I'm not allowed to be on the touchline, but the ref is allowed to blow his whistle. Like, come on, guys. If you can't get behind this manager now, I don't know what your problem is. That is savage. It is. It is. Um, But, yeah. So, I mean, the game, the the fact that we dominated this game and it ends in a 2-2 draw, which was your score prediction, by the way, Jason. I remember that. That was. Whoa. I forgot about that. That was your score prediction. So, um, but. I I hate to be right in this instance. Yeah. Well, you hate to be right for the reasons that you're right. Like, exactly. Because yeah. of this game never should have been, you know, 2-2. Like, it never should have been that way. And so, and when we touched on it earlier, like, this, like, when these refs start affecting games like this, you're you're affecting players' livelihoods. You're affecting managers' livelihoods. Like, it, it has repercussions. It's not just like, oh, the ref missed a call. Well, this is two blatant and obvious calls that were missed in this match that have cost us two points, which could cost us in the end of the season, millions of dollars, uh, millions of pounds. Um, which then could cost us players don't want to play for us. If we don't get, if we don't meet certain criteria that players look for in a top club to come play for, right. That even costs us more money. Yeah. Champions league football. If this somehow costs us champions league football, like that's money out of our pockets. That's like you were saying, players that aren't going to want to come here because we don't have Champions League football. So it's all these different issues. So it's not just that, oh, it was a bad call. It's like you're affecting the state of the club because you're gonna you're affecting money coming into the club. You're affecting possible players. You're affecting the manager's livelihood. Like this is a bigger issue than just a couple of missed calls, especially when there's a pattern of this. Yeah you know, going forward. Like, there's a, a pattern that Anthony Taylor has screwed us in the past. And it was said by everybody on Twitter. It was said by us on this podcast before the match even happened. It's a history of it. So, this man, you know, I think, you know, for both of us, should never be allowed to rep a Chelsea match again under any Agreed. circumstances. Yeah, and uh, just add to last week, uh, Godfrey breaks his leg or fractures his leg. That's on the AR. That's on the AR for, for like, that ball was so far out of bounds. Uh, Goffrey, to be fair, makes a rash challenge. But that's that's on the AR um, to, to stop play when the ball goes out of bounds so that Goffrey then doesn't come and, and make a challenge and breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. Like, you're costing players. You're, you're allowing players to get hurt. You're allowing players to get injured. You're allowing – um, these types of things to happen that then could cost a club position and points and personnel. Yeah. And so to echo everything you said, just piggybacking off of that. But yeah, I just wanted to add that your players can get hurt as well. If, if you're not, if you're not on your game, like you are affecting people's lives. Like these refs need to take that way more seriously. They do. They do. I agree. And it's, and it's not just like, and I think it's the state of officiating in all of the FA. It's all terrible. Yeah. It is no consistency, nothing. And I know you're going to get different levels of of what you're allowed to do 
versus what you're not allowed to do with certain refs. Because every ref has their different style. Understand that. You've got to, as a player, know and adjust to that when you go into a match. Who's officiating your match? Knowing that Anthony Taylor's ref uh, in one of our matches, you can't breathe on another player. You're going to get a foul call. I think you just know these certain things going into matches. So, you know, you have to be aware of that. But the overall state of officiating is just trash in the FA. And you have the best league in the world with the worst officiating in the world. Be better. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Uh, same. Just be better. Like, it's 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 an embarrassment uh, to football at this it point. It is. Um, with all that say, uh, who did you, um, I guess that's some end of our rant for the day. <laughs> who did you have for, uh, I don't know. We might have another one. Who knows? Still, still livid. Um, right, who, right. who was your player of the match today, Jason? Um, so you, what, this was weird. Cause I was thinking about this after the first half ended and I, I thought every player was so freaking good in that first half. It was hard to pick out one. And then I thought that, we um it, i thought that we played a brilliant second half but the game got away um from everybody uh especially the ref who who shouldn't have um but we've already talked about that um so i i think i have to give it oh man that i think i'm giving it to k2 i think i'm giving it to Kulabali. like that dude that dude was so brilliant in the first half to come up and score that goal and then to play to play out the second half, like I love having him on the back line. I his vision upfield is so good. Sometimes he just bypasses the midfield. He had to do that a lot against Everton because Jorginho was not passing forward against Everton. <laughs> um, he didn't have to do that as much this game because Jorginho was passing forward. Um, I his like the way he can distribute a ball, the way he can pick out a pass. Um, he is dangerous in the box. I like that dude has been an incredible signing. And yeah, I think for me, it's K2. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I can't disagree with Koulibaly. I think he, especially that first half, he owned that first half. Like that was, I mean, just a masterclass by him in the first half. Like you, everything that you said is spot on. His passing to the, to the front. I mean, like I remember there was one point in time where I texted you and was like, Mount is wide open in the middle of the pitch. Somebody needs to pass on the ball. And it wasn't like a minute later, Koulibaly from the freaking right. back line. I mean, probably a 40-yard pass to Mount, who was just acres of space in the midfield. Like, right. I can't believe I mean, he's 31 in the way that he plays Yeah, uh, literally box-to-box. Box. Oh, it's, yeah. It's insane. The dude put on a master. His goal was amazing in the first half. Um he had a couple of really good tackles where, I mean, he just yes. came out of nowhere and just, you know, tackled them. I think for me, I'm going to, which, and I, you know, me, I'm always partial. I'm going to give it to a defender over an attacker most days. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to go on the opposite of you because I think that uh, to the other center back position on the other side of Silva and Reese James, just because of the sheer fact that he pocketed Son the entire game. He put him yeah. in his pocket, didn't let him do anything. Um, the only negative that he had was, and I mean, I don't even know if you want to call it a freaking negative, um, is the fact that, you know, when he, 
it was because it was off a corner. He had a bad angle and Tottenham sort of broke and he pulled some back, got the tactical yellow. But in my book, that's a good play because you're not letting Tottenham break. So in my book, right. it's a positive, not a negative. Um, should have had an assist off his banging cross from Havertz, got oh, a goal. Um, I really felt like that Reese just I mean, one of the best games I've seen him play. Um, I don't think in, in when Reese plays like this, I think people who are are such um uh Trent fans don't really have an argument for Trent being the best right back in England. Right. Like when Reese plays like this, like it's shut down. Like there's no questions asked. Reese James is the best right back, right center back, right wing back, whatever you want to call him in England. Like there is no debate about it. Um I it's just it's one of those things. Like it it's I don't know. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I he was my second choice. And and I agree. Like nobody can cross like him. Mm-hmm. And James's uh, awareness of and speed are like so good i i don't i think son might have got around him once mm-hmm. but uh but yeah it's like you said he had him in his pocket the entire game it was awesome to watch mm-hmm. i never worried once about what was happening on that right side of that pitch no not once i mean another i mean like you can give a shout out to kukarela i think he had a fantastic game today had the assist off the corner of course to Koulibaly. um I think his his game was great today. So I I mean this Chelsea team just impressed me today. Even though we're only walking away with one point, it, they still just you know had a great match. And I will say this: I will take credit for Reese James having a great game today because I got my new Reese James jersey in today, and I was wearing it during <laughs> the match. So you're welcome, Reese. I brought you good luck. Uh, thank you on behalf of all Chelsea fans, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. No, but um. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know where we really go from here. I'm sure we'll have some more thoughts, you know, heading to Leeds next weekend in our preview episode coming up later this week. But um what do you want to see sort of going forward um with this team, Jason? Hey, I, I think it's the same. It's it is so hard to fault what what this team did today. I echo everything that you said. They they played so well today that it, it's hard to find anything outside of our attack cannot finish. Yeah. Um, we two defenders scored today. And, That's a good point. And uh, Sterling had a chance or two. Havertz had a chance or two. Um, uh, and it's, it's just hard to break down a team that for a large portion of the match, especially in the first half, was playing 11 men behind the ball and um, they were, they were parking the bus so hard there, especially the last 10 minutes of the first half. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's our next step in our evolution is being able to break down a team like that. So Leeds is going to sit back and defend, yep. um, uh, which Leeds can open you up if they want. Um, but they, they, they're going to sit back and defend a large portion of that match because when we have the ball, we are so dominant. We can keep possession if we just make the right passes. Not even the right passes, just a basic pass or like a basic <laughs> trap of the ball. Yeah. Um, and we're, we can be dangerous in possession. I saw flickers of that today, which I think is incredibly encouraging. Um, but to watch Havertz miss 
like mm-hmm. that is is getting hard to watch every game and um and i have been super encouraged that we literally have three new players kukurea has only been with the team for a week a mm-hmm. little over a week and how easy they have slotted in to becoming three of the best players on the pitch <laughs> Um, I think that Sterling has opened up our attack in a way that I wasn't quite expecting. Um, I think I think I, I we all knew he was going to come in and just be a good. I mean, he's a well well established proven player. I think we all knew he was going to like be good. I I think that what he's doing up top and the work rate he puts in is better than I was expecting. And not to say that I wasn't expecting him to not put in a work rate. It's just he adds this element of the attack that is exciting to watch that I don't think we've had in this way since Hazard. And I think that that's been kind of fun to watch. Um, Koulibaly is a beast back there. I hope he starts every game. And um, and Kukurea deserves to start every time now. I think I think Chile is fighting for that place. Mm-hmm. Where, But it, it, it's interesting to see that because he's only a week into the – week with us mm-hmm. and that spot was Chilwell's and it was his his to lose and he lost it in a week that's yeah. not to say I don't I mean I think Chilwell's has got time to recover and uh, of course everyone's giving him that time but to come in and just own that spot the way that Cucurea has um we paid a lot of money for him I so far it looks like he will prove his worth but um but uh as always, trepidation mm-hmm. with everything I say. But anyway, uh, what are your main takeaways? I think that I think you you hit the nail on the head when you say creativity in the final third, um, breaking teams down. That's the biggest thing that I need to see going forward from this team. If we unlock that, we will be deadly. Like we will be deadly because I, with Koulibaly and Silva and. I mean, and that's the thing. We talked about this. You addressed this a couple weeks ago on the podcast is like, is the versatility of our players like sort of something that hurts us when you look at Reese and you're like, okay, he's probably the best right center back we have on the team. And he's probably the best right wing back we have on the team. <laughs> so it's like, right. where do we play him? Um, So it, it's a conundrum for Tuchel and that's his job. He's a manager. He's got to figure it out. I mean, I think playing Reese at the right center back against a team that has an attacker like Son is the right move to do. Um, Cause Dave is clearly not, he's lost a couple of steps. Um, so, but I think yeah. that, you know, unlocking that final third, being able to be clinical in there um, when we're breaking teams down, I, we were better at it today. We still didn't create enough chances. I don't think. Um, but, and I'm beginning to wonder if we just don't, have enough of the players to do that, which is, you yeah. know, sort of starting to become the issue now. It's like, okay, clearly Tuchel has the tactics down. Do we have the players to execute his tactics? Um, but then Especially I, when we got Conte going down in the midfield. Yes. At and, least we have depth there, though. True. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see what we do now because you've got, you've got Ampadu and Gilmore who are both likely to go out right. alone. Do you have to keep one of them now just strictly to cover? Because, I mean, I think it's obvious that Gallagher's probably going to start there, at least in the first game. Um, he might start Loftus-Cheek. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be one of them, too, I feel like, next to Jorginho with Kova still being out. Um, 
So it would be interesting. But I think the other thing is consistency. I just need to see this on a consistent basis from this team. If I see this on a consistent basis, I think the sky's the limit for us. I'm a lot more... Shockingly for drawing 2-2 and all the negative connotation around this game, it's all centered on the refs. It's nothing on the Chelsea as a team. We did nothing to lose this game. We did everything to win the game. We did everything we were supposed to do, and yet we still get screwed in the end. Um, so That's what's so frustrating because we talked about, we have talked about that. The lead up to this whole thing is we, and that's what's so heartbreaking about today is that Chelsea did what we hoped they would and put themselves in a position to win. And then to what, because we've talked about how we have to beat the refs and we have to beat the other team and we have to beat, uh, our unluckiness that happens in the other team's luck. And we played our socks off today and we still couldn't overcome that. And it could be that final third that, that hurts us in the end. Cause Mount Mount missed a good, good chance as yeah. well too. Like we take just one of those other chances. We might have enough on the front end to kind of counteract some of those things that we always are scared of that are just the, intangibles of the other team and the intangibles of luck and and the tangibles of the other team and a ref who imposes his will in a way that really uh changes the game uh negatively for us um so yeah i I think i think like you said like consistency and then seeing it up top i think you hit the nail on the head there yeah i mean that's a that's a great point is like we have to overcome all these things because of you know just the way things are, you know, you, you have to go out there and beat the team every time, the other mm-hmm. team, you've got to go out there and beat them. But then today we had to go out and beat a referee too. Yeah. And without that clinicalness in the final third, it's hard to overcome all those factors. Like you're just playing Tottenham. We win without that clinicalness in the, th- in the final third, but you add the referee into the mix. Yeah you've got to have that clinicalness in the final third. So there are games where we can scrape by without that, but we need that. In order to be elite, we need that. Because like you said, right. you, you brought up a great point earlier. It was uh, two defensive goals today. Like we've had one goal from open play so far this season. Right. The other two have been a penalty and a set piece. The two open play goals have both been, or the one open play goal was scored by a defender. Our other set play goal today was scored by a defender, and Jorginho got a penalty. Wow. So our attack has got zero goals in the first in the first games. So and Sterling did get an assist, I guess, on the Reese. So our attack this season in two games has one assist. Wow. I think Jorginho is like out of this batch of group or batch of players or something, it's like our third highest scorer. Yeah, because and, he had so many freaking penalties, and it's the penalties. So we're it, like to your point, just to reiterate it more. Open play is the goals are not coming from that mm-hmm. as often as they need to. That was a point I was going to bring up on the podcast. After you know, after the first half, I was like, okay, we still have not had an open play goal yet, and we finally got one in the second half, which was good to see, and it was a great goal. Um, so yeah. I think going forward, it's that attack, those open play goals. You know, and we were we're great on set pieces when we get actually have somebody that can actually take a corner and cross the ball in decently. Um, as much as I love Mason Mount, and I text this to you, as much as I love Mason Mount, the mm-hmm. dude does not need to be on corners anymore. Do not let him take yeah. another corner kick. Kukurela, 
He's about 50% today. He had a really good right. one. And then there was one that he just completely sailed over everybody. So, I mean, I understand you're not going to get a perfect one every time, but I just need consistency out of the corners as well. Because every right. time we took a corner off the right side, it was terrible. It was awful. So, I don't know. I think what is encouraging, too, about all this is that coming out of preseason into the first game, we were a little concerned about just the consistency that you're talking about. And I feel like after this game, even though it's a draw, but like you said, we, we don't blame our players for that at all. I, I feel like we do have something to build off of. And that is extremely positive where I didn't feel that at all before today. Yes. I like, I echo what you said about how we don't blame the players and echo what Tuchel said about how he's just so proud of this team because we played so brilliantly and we were the best team for 90 minutes. And I completely 1000% agree with all those sentiments. And Mm -hmm. I think that that to me at the end of this podcast where we have ranted and raved and I think our rants were uh, more, I think, I think we're, we're pretty professional because our rants before the podcast were pretty uh, livid. Yeah. So uh, everybody's getting a little bit of a measured uh, response from us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that just to echo what everybody's saying, like he just to be so proud of this team and to have that encouragement going forward is just something that I think is truly um, true. It's positive and it helps me going forward. Um, in a way that I couldn't after the Everton game. For sure. That's a that's a very good point. It's like there's a lot more hope and positivity coming out of this match, even though it was a draw, than there was yeah. after Everton. Because, I mean, after Everton, I was just down. I was like, we, I can't take another year of Chelsea playing like this sideways passing, this and that. And, I mean, I couldn't. I, it's, it's, it's rough. But after I can watch this Chelsea team play all the time. And we might lose yes. some games. We might draw some games. But as long as they're playing like this, I'll, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, is what it is. I'll ran against the refs because that's probably why we lost. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't because Spurs beat us or the Spurs, like, did any – they did nothing good in this game. Like, I can't think back to, like, any good positive thing that they can build on from this game like we can. Like, we can, we can actually take what we've done and go, okay – we have a few areas where we got to shore up moving forward, but there's encouraging signs in those. Spurs, to me, looked like a regression. Mm-hmm. And I cannot believe the punditry and the opinions coming out of that today about how, like you mentioned earlier, about how they're going toe-to-toe with us. And they did not go toe-to-toe with us hardly at all during that game. After they went to a back four, maybe for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we were still having – we were still missing – clear chances in the box at that point um, because we dribbled a little too much because we don't have that finishing in the final third. And I do not understand what game they were watching. I It's like I told you, I feel like we freaking walked into the twilight zone here and we're in another dimension where we all watch the same thing mm-hmm. and we're the only two people. Like, because we're on the podcast, but I, I know there are Chelsea fans that feel the same way. They've got to be scratching their heads, but the Chelsea fans are the only ones who saw that Tottenham were terrible today. And everyone yeah. else is just trying to convince us for the rest of our lives that Tottenham are the best team ever. Yeah. And I feel like that's like a horror movie to me. And <laughs> I do not understand what game they were watching and why they feel the need to one, defend the refs and not talk about 
the controversies and and the lack of calls and how those led to the controversies in an honest way and two why they feel the need to talk about Tottenham in these lavish terms just so I don't know I have a feeling it's so that they're their third place Tottenham prediction and how much yeah. they've been kissing Tottenham's butt this whole preseason can come true. Hundred percent. Like, like you, you should be at least honest. And we know that talking heads on TV aren't, but that is so frustrating to watch how we were dominant in the match. And the main takeaway from a lot of the pundits on TV today were Tottenham came there and and got what they deserved, and and not Chelsea outplayed them and didn't get what they deserved because that's exactly what happened. And I, we are no, we, we do not slouch when it comes to criticizing our team and we do not slouch when it comes to uh, setting our expectations for this team. So I don't think that it's, I understand this is Chelsea podcast. We bleed blue and we love them. Um, We will always root for them no matter what. It's not a bias in this case. (laughs) Like, I mean, we outplayed that team. And for me to be told that Tottenham got what they deserve today is is absolutely atrocious when we all watch the same game. Your guess is as good as mine. I was baffled whenever the, the post-game show came on and they're just sitting there raving about Tottenham and how they're going to, this is a great positive momentum building thing for them. And I mean, you Conte will spin it to where it is. And I get that this easy to spin this in a positive light for them. Sure. But when you break the game down and you look at it, we dominated possession. Like that was, you know, we had 64 to 36% possession. We had more corners. There was nine fouls on each team. We had more shots. They did have more on target than we did. Um, we had double their passes. Yeah, double their passes. So it's like you look at all these things and you look at the way we press and you look at the fact the way we dominate, especially in the first half. And outside of that 10 minutes in the second half, I don't know when Tottenham had a positive moment in that match. Like there was nothing. Like that the through ball to Kane, um, they had that he scuffed the shot on. That's the only real chance i can think that they create i mean like the the first goal they had that's a blunder on Jorginho. should never have happened because of the foul then were charleston's also in front of mindy second goal never should have happened you know even though he's kane did score it was a great corner kick goal i mean kane mm. great header no denying that he's good with his head um but it's not they were tottenham wasn't resilient in this match there was no resiliency from them. It was the ref giving them the match on a silver platter. Yeah. And they capitalized and took advantage of that. So to say sit here and, and talk about how great Tottenham was, like it's just it's I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here. It is I think it's a disservice to Chelsea. When you should yeah. be talking about our improvement from the first week and how we looked against Everton to how we looked against Tottenham. Like the night and day of our team is just insane. And like, why is that not being talked about more? Why is Tuchel's masterclass of tactics of man marking Sun the entire first half, you know, w- with Reese? Why is stuff like that not being talked? Why is our space that we create in the midfield because of the formations that we set up? Why is this stuff not being like? The positive notes from takeaways from Chelsea are a lot more than Tottenham. Like maybe it's because we're already a top four team, 
you know, and maybe, like you're like maybe. you're saying, like they want to protect their third place Tottenham prediction, you know, which right. I predicted that they would have they would finish third too. So there's no denying that that they're good, but you shouldn't do a disservice to the people that you're talking to, like the people that you know you're getting paid to give an opinion. Just give an honest opinion about what you saw in that pitch today, because the stuff that was coming out today was not an honest opinion. Like the fact that there's pundits up there saying that this was a uh, well ref uh, match is just like, what are you disingenuous? It is, and like that's no wonder nobody likes the media these days because it's just a bunch of freaking liars. So I don't know. Yeah, and and uh, sports punditry is a whole different story with that too. Yeah, like it's it's almost worse. Well, um, it's like Mourinho said. You know, he's got that famous quote where he says, "You know, most uh, most people are you know most of the pundits are either like United or Liverpool fans." And he's like, "After I retire when I'm 75, I'm going to go be a pundit so I can uh, defend Chelsea." So it's like, yeah. it's clearly there, and everybody knows it. Just like it's clear as day as Anthony, you know, Taylor. Refing mm-hmm. our games as clear as day, and only certain people see it and will talk about it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, most of the time, I don't feel uh, I'm not on the whole bias train. Everyone's against us train. Today, it was very blatant, and like you said, it, it does a disservice to us. It's disingenuous. It's and and I completely agree. It is it is dishonest at the very least. Mm-hmm. And I, I like there, and you know, I think the frustrating is there's nothing we can do about it outside of have a therapy session here on the podcast. <laughs> but, but, but that is, it just is frustrating. And it, I, I hope we continue to build on what we did today because I think we, we absolutely were brilliant today. And I hope that we, we build on that today and, and blow everyone's socks off uh, and prove everyone wrong uh, by season's end. For sure. I mean, it's just added motivation to our team. Hopefully, like, look, these people are against you. Use this motivation, guys. You know, people don't like us. That's fine. It is what it is. Use this motivation. Prove everybody wrong. Like, there's nothing in life that inspires me more than when somebody's like, you can't do this or you won't do this. Like, that's my motivation. Like, so that's what motivates me, you know, personally. So I have a a special connection to that. But, um, you know, there's already a petition online that 10,000 Chelsea fans have signed that for Anthony Taylor never to ref a Chelsea game again. Wow. (laughs) Man, we are only two hours after this match. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two hours after the match. Well, all right. I think that's enough for this week. Uh, I think we've ran it and raved and everybody knows where we stand um, with this, you know, great match from Chelsea today. Loved our play. Players, ups to y'all. Y'all played great. Played your hearts out. That's all I ask. You know, can't be mad at the players today. They did everything. Can't be mad at Tuchel. It, it is what it is sometimes. You get screwed yeah. by Anthony Taylor. Yeah, just thanks to the boys and, and the management for putting in just an absolute masterclass performance today. For sure, for sure. All right, Jason, why don't you tell them where they can uh, find us at? Yeah, yeah, we're the ball and foot uh everywhere you do social check us out on twitter daniel's got an amazing twitter game um and we're the ball and foot pod on instagram but you know instagram that's for old people now apparently maybe we should get a tiktok i don't know we'll talk about it after the show but uh but yeah that that's where we're at sweet yeah catch us on uh apple and spotify uh with the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast at um 
yeah, we'll be back uh, in a couple of days with a preview for Leeds next weekend. Should be a interesting mm-hmm. preview. Maybe we'll have some uh, salty, uh, you know, transfer rumors. Uh, apparently, uh, just FYI, this is coming across the wire. We bid forty uh, three million pounds for Anthony Gordon, and it has already been rejected by Everton. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't blame them. They don't have many players to spare at they, this point. They really don't. They really don't. But uh, anyway, uh, for uh, Daniel. He's Jason, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Positive vibes, flippity floppity.